Support for Spoleto Backstage is made possible in part by Chamber Music Charleston, celebrating the return of live music gatherings and their 15th anniversary, with their season opener featuring violinist Rachel Barton Pine and more. September 28th at the Satilli Theater. For tickets, chambermusiccharleston.org. Support also comes from Brook Green Gardens, presenting the National Sculpture Society's 88th Annual Awards Exhibition, June 12th through August 22nd, and Summerlight Art by Night, Wednesdays through Saturdays until August 22nd. More at brookgreen.org. Productions of chamber music from Spoleto Festival USA are made possible by Bank of America, the ETB Endowment of South Carolina, and the John Covington and Robert Lukey Fund for the Performing Arts. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Spoleto Backstage, your podcast companion to Spoleto Festival USA, with a special focus this year on that quintessential festival event, the Chamber Music Series at Charleston's Dock Street Theater. I'm Bradley Fuller, and I'm excited to help you get a bit better acquainted with this year's composer-in-residence for the Spoleto Chamber Music Series, Jessica Meyer. Jessica leads a really well-rounded artistic career. She not only writes music, but remains active as a performer and educator, too. Four works of hers were part of this year's Chamber Series, two of which were performed for the first time ever. Those works, her quartet, She Sailed the Savage Seas, and solo violin composition, From Our Ashes, are as moving and exciting musically as their fascinating backstories would suggest. And they're in store for us on this episode. Also ahead, a conversation with Jessica Meyer and some insights from the composer. But first, why don't we start with some of her music? Here's the composer herself playing viola, joined by fellow composer-performer Paul Wianco, cello, for But Not Until, a work premiered in 2015 and performed on Program 4 of the 2021 Spoleto Chamber Music Series. The title is an allusion to a quote by David Foster Wallace, the truth will set you free, but not until it is finished with you.
That was Jessica Myers, but not until. The composer herself played viola and was joined by Paul Wianco, cello. That performance was given in the fourth program of this year's Spoleto Chamber Music Series. I had the chance to speak with Jessica recently about her growth as a composer and the important role that a small piece of music technology played in that development. Here's a bit of that conversation. You, you mentioned that you kind of uh, got into composing through 
using loop pedal. And in fact, there's a TEDx video of you uh, giving a presentation uh, in which you say that the loop pedal allowed you to be transformed into an orchestra, just just one performer. Uh, and, and one of the pieces on this year's program titled Source of Joy for Viola and Loop Pedal is just one person performing. So it may not seem like chamber music kind of in a traditional sense, but thanks to this technology of loop pedal, there, there are these multiple parts kind of layering. Could you give an introduction to this piece and maybe explain what loop pedal is for people who, who aren't so familiar with it? Sure. So this is the piece that really, whenever you're starting writing or anything, it's just like, you know, whether you're writing a book or, or making a recipe or something, or you, you start with combining your favorite things. So this is the piece that all has all my favorite sounds. And when I was done, I realized that this is, these are not the sounds you expect of the viola. You know, part of my TED talk was sometimes you have to go beyond what's expected of you to find your own source of joy. And that was sort of part of the fun of this piece. And so what the loop pedal is, is just, I play something and when I hit the pedal, it'll start recording whatever I do. And then when I hit the pedal again, it'll take whatever section I just recorded and keep looping it and repeating it over and over again. So guitarists usually use this in bands so that they can lay down a rhythm and then they could record it and then stop recording it and then like solo over it or maybe create like a sort of texture that they could work around if they're more uh, experimental. But for me, it was sort of a teacher and like, well, how do I use counterpoint? How can I like use a lot of different hocketed sounds that sort of react off of each other and build a texture over time and have fun while doing it? Uh, So that's basically what that piece is about. And you mentioned in that TEDx that you know, having the courage to go beyond what's expected of you, that maybe certain sounds are in that piece that people don't associate with the viola. And and you went for kind of a, what is, what is a viola sound and what's a non-viola sound? <laughs> well, I mean, I think every, if, you know, anyone who's sort of familiar with classical music kind of knows that violas get a bad rap and they're made fun of a lot. Um, so, you know, we're usually the person in the ensemble that's in the middle and they're given something simple to play sometimes, at least a long time ago, that was the case. Uh, and in a string quartet, you know, early on, our job is just to keep everybody together or have some kind of rhythm that chugs along. Occasionally, we would be given some kind of like melancholy outburst or something sad to play on the viola. This piece, Source of Joy, I use a lot of harmonics. So you hear a lot of really high sounds that you don't normally would uh, hear on a viola. You hear a lot of percussive sounds and a lot of just kind of big wailing, happy jams, really. <laughs> so that's sort of where I went with it. And uh, and I think that a lot of people writing for viola uh, or writing for any instrument, you just, you just want to show it in its best light and show all the things it can do as opposed to the things people assume it could do. And I think, I think that's the same for people, you know, and as a parent, what you expect of people, like, you know, when you're raising children, it's the same thing. It's, it's like, well, if you expect a lot, you get a lot. And the same thing as a teacher in a classroom. If you have lowered expectations, you, you kind of get what you expect. Um, so this, this piece sort of uh, spiritually and, and, and pitch wise and otherwise sort of aims high and has a lot of fun while doing it. This is so, so this is, um, Again, this this through line I'm seeing in some of your works of kind of uh, finding finding your voice or finding your true calling in, in life about you kind of realizing 
hey, you don't have to fit into this orchestral violist role, but there's more to a career, more to a life. I think I knew after a couple of years of being out of Juilliard, after auditioning for orchestras, that perhaps it wasn't my what you know I was meant to do. And instead, I started playing a lot of new music, which then was great until I just had this nagging feeling that I was not living the life I'm supposed to be living. And I was getting kids to be creative all the time. But I just remember spending so much time in high school being in a music lab that we had with computers and just making up so much music. And I wrote a concerto for viola and computer. And I had so much creativity. Uh, and that was all just shut down to go to conservatory because I didn't even consider to be, become a composer because I just have always lived, maybe it was just part of my upbringing, but just th- th- lived in a very practical place, always thinking like, well, h- how am I going to make a living? So that's how I spent so much of my early part of my career. I was either building uh, a new music ensemble, I was freelancing, I was teaching, I was doing all these things, but I wasn't happy. Uh, And then after a while, going through my 30s, it's just the, the sort of the pang just became too loud to ignore. And that's when I started to go back to my my five year old self that would tinker on the piano in kindergarten because it was in the corner and it was something to do. That's when I bought my loop pedal and just started messing around, really. And I, I remember writing my first loop piece, Duende, I think it was 2011. And I played it a bunch of places. I played it at Lincoln Center. I did a bunch of things. And then I didn't write anything for another two years, even though I had the whole next piece I wanted to write in my head, like ready to go. I I was afraid or something like something kept stopping me for sitting and doing it. Maybe it's because I knew that it would just change my life, honestly, because then after I wrote that second piece, a couple of years later in 2013, a couple of months after that, I had an album's worth of stuff and I was just playing it everywhere uh, I could. And then it was at the end of that year in 2014 that I wrote, but not until. And once I play, uh, once I played that, it sort of sealed the deal. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like this, this is it. This is why you've been feeling like this for so long. And I was lucky because I don't think two reasons. I don't think my 20 year old self couldn't have handled uh, the grit and personal perseverance it would have taken, and the resources, quite honestly, uh, to be a composer in my 20s. I'm really glad I was older. I'm glad that I already established myself in the business and that I had resources to devote into this essentially new business of being a composer. But also just it's like source of joy. It's like once you discovered like, well, this is, you know, going beyond what's expected of you, then you're like, okay, well, well, if we're going to do this, what does this mean? You know, how much, how much time do you need? How much less running around do you need to do? And then it's funny. I, I couldn't, I could not imagine this level of success and freedom then, but it's about like going against, you know, you, I think everyone lives in their own perceived box until they kick themselves out of it and then realize there is no box. There's only the box that you put yourself in. So that's what's so amazing, getting a phone call from Livia, not the, this past year, but the year before, saying that this was happening, 
coming to Spoleto because it's something I've always heard about for so long and I've never been to Charleston. And I, and my friends always say, oh yeah, that summer I spent in Spoleto in the orchestra, one of the best summers of my life. And so now to be coming down there as a composer in residence, being my true self, you know, playing and teaching and writing music for really great musicians, it's everything. So I'm so happy that it's happening. I'm so happy that Spoleto is doing this and making it work within their own set of enabling constraints. And I just can't wait to get there. Jessica Meyer there, sharing with me about her excitement to be both composer in residence and a performer for this year's Spoleto Festival USA Chamber Music Series. Here's her Chamber Series performance of the work she was just speaking about then, Source of Joy. That was Source of Joy, a piece for viola and looper pedal written by Jessica Meyer, 
and, as you were hearing just then, performed by Jessica Meyer. That recording came from the first program of the 2021 Spoleto Chamber Music Series. The Chamber Series also featured two world premieres of works by Meyer, including her From Our Ashes for solo violin. Meyer wrote this piece for a friend she knew from her time at Juilliard, violinist Livia Son. Livia was a regular presence in the Spoleto Festival USA Chamber Music Series until she withdrew from public performances after she began to notice a loss of control in her left hand. It took years for the proper diagnosis to be reached, focal dystonia, a neurological condition that causes involuntary muscle contractions. Finding that she was becoming too concerned with whether people could hear that her playing had changed as a result, Livia took a step away from the stage and tried to fill the void left behind with other artistic and creative projects like cooking. However, Livia soon found she missed performing too much and wanted to find a way back even as she was dealing with focal dystonia. This is where Jessica Meyer's work as a composer comes in. Here's Livia sharing about their relationship and how it helped her to take another step back into the spotlight as a performer. Jess and I were at Juilliard together, and she has just blossomed into this really, you know, incredible composer. She's always been an incredible violist. And she actually offered, when she'd heard that I'd stepped back from playing, she offered to write me something. At the time, I said no. I, I wasn't ready for it, but I also... One of the reasons I stepped back from playing was because I did not want to, at the time, I did not want to play things in a modified way. I didn't want to play things that I could still play just because those were the only things that I could still play. That was a big thing for me. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, but at the time that was um, just a big point in my head. And so when the very generous offer came, I said I'm not, I declined at the time. And then two years later, I said, I don't know if this offer still stands, <laughs> but I think I'm ready to accept this gift. And she's, well, we, you know, we jumped on a call and she's like, I knew you would be. I knew it. And it was just that vote of confidence was so nice to hear. And so um, it made me feel like I was making the right decision. And also, it's funny because when she reached out to me back then, that was a interesting, I think it's very triggersome for musicians and a lot of people did not. And so she that stood out even more to me because she she made that effort to not only reach out but say, and also here's something that might make it possible for you to still play or one day still play. Um, so that was that's all that was all I'll never forget that. To have an answer and not just, uh, you know, sorry to hear about that. Yeah. Not not like, I'm so sorry for you, or that's horrible, or I can't imagine what I would do in that sense. But like, hey, what about this? Let's move forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's very much like that. And, and the piece she's written is called From Our Ashes. Uh, is it inspired by the story of the phoenix, or do you know any of the kind of inspiration there? Yeah. I, she wanted to write something that followed my journey. So it's... From beginning to end, it sort of follows what's happened to me, for lack of better wording. So the beginning is sort of jumpy and nervous and, like, unknowing. It's it's just an incredible piece. She packs so much into this five-minute piece. Uh, When I first started learning it, there's a section in there called Broken, and then that leads into a section called Resurfacing, and I 
would always cry <laughs> when I was practicing it because um, the, the, just that transition from there was like I could I could feel the compositional parallel <laughs> to what I had gone through and it was so right on and it was it just it was so effective and to play that equivalent I don't know it was very touching what a testament to the power of music I seriously mean. yeah Livia Sohn sharing there about From Our Ashes, a piece that her friend from Juilliard, Jessica Meyer, wrote for her to perform in this year's Chamber Music Series. We'll hear Livia performing the world premiere of it now. This is From Our Ashes.
Violinist Livia Song giving the world premiere of Jessica Myers from Our Ashes. I might add that there were a couple not totally dry eyes in the Dock Street Theater by the time she finished her moving performance of that work. From Our Ashes was one of two works by composer in residence Jessica Meyer that received its world premiere during this year's Chamber series. The other was a string quartet titled She Sailed the Savage Seas. She Sailed the Savage Seas. She, 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 she Sailed the Savage Seas. Oh my gosh, that's hard, right? But the piece is a lot of fun. Here's a little more of my conversation with Jessica, where we discuss the fascinating figure who inspired it. The other world premiere that is in the lineup that that you've written, you know, we were talking earlier about grit, about breaking outside of a box, doing a, an unconventional thing with your life, maybe finding your, your calling, doing something adventurous. You've written a string quartet titled She Sailed the Savage Seas. And, and I have to say, I'm not only partial to the title as host of the alliterative radio show, Sonatas <laughs> and Soundscapes. <laughs> but the general inspiration is so fascinating. Who is the she of the title? This is the story of Anne Bonnie, who, if you're from Charleston, I think you might already know who she is. She is a pirate. She is the most famous woman pirate that was out there. And she was born in Ireland, but emigrated to Charleston as a teenager her father started a plantation in Charlestown, but she had a fiery temper and didn't like being told, you know, what to do. And she especially didn't like what plans uh, society had for her as a woman at the time. And she fell in love with a pirate who who didn't have the best intentions in this particular case because word had it has it that he was really after her father's plantation or trying to get ownership of part of it. But she wanted to get married and her father basically disowned her. And so she hopped on a boat to Bahamas, to Nassau, where all the pirates kind of hung out. There she met Calico Jack Rackham super famous pirate and they became partners and uh and also the only other woman pirate that's ever been written about is mary reed and both uh Anne and mary were in a crew with calico jack Rackham. they both dressed as men they fought just as hard as men for two years they were equally feared in the caribbean as far as pirates not to mess with they led a very adventurous, amazing life for a few years in her 20s. And then one night um, there was a crew that wanted to capture their sloop, their ship, and uh, their plan worked. They got all the guys on the on the boat drunk and too drunk to fight. So the next morning they invaded and Anne and Mary tried to fight as best they could, but they were all captured and they were all sentenced to be hanged as pirates. 
all the men were hung at the port, you know, for full public viewing, as was you did during the day, uh, at the time. Uh, the women pled their bellies uh, because they both found out that they were pregnant. And there was a law back then that you can't murder the innocent, innocent and so you couldn't order uh, order the murder of an innocent child. So their pl- the plan was for them to give birth in prison, uh, but Mary died of a fever. Uh, but Anne Bonnie, we don't know what happened to her. And I, you know, when I was first researching about Charleston and discovered the story of this person, I then went on a wild goose chase reading all sorts of accounts of what people believed where she wound up because she escaped before being hanged. Some people said that maybe her dad knew some people, uh, went down there and got her out of there. Uh, she came back to Charleston, got married, had 10 kids and died in Virginia. Some people believe that she just tended a bar in the Bahamas the rest of her life and told everybody her story. Some people believe she got back to Irish and English shores and, and settled up there. We don't know. And there's a lot of speculation online. In fact, the Charleston Papers just recently did a story on this months ago. So I I found it super exciting to make this little tidy little story into a nice tone poem for String Quartet, talking about somebody who's not afraid to, uh, you know, go past limitations and, and live their life and, and deal with what happens. Jessica Meyer sharing about her string quartet, She Sailed the Savage Seas, which was premiered by the St. Lawrence String Quartet at this year's Spoleto Festival USA Chamber Music Series. Let's set sail with this chamber composition now, following Anne Bonnie as she leaves Charlestown, meets up with Calico Jack Rackham in a tavern, tries valiantly to defend their pirate ship from capture, spends some time in jail with fellow pirate Mary Reed, and then... Who knows? The story of Anne Bonny is, as Jessica was saying just then, one that ultimately ends in mystery. Here it is. She sailed the savage seas, performed by the St. Lawrence String Quartet. Thank you. 
The St. Lawrence String Quartet performing there the world premiere of Jessica Meyer's She Sailed the Savage Seas. Jeff Nuttall played first violin, Owen Dalby second violin, Leslie Robertson viola, and Christopher Costanza cello. And like that, our ship has sailed into harbor for this second episode of Spoleto Backstage 2021. Thanks so much for joining, and hopefully you enjoy the perspective from Jessica Meyer and those amazing performances of her works on this year's Chamber series as much as I did. You can tell people that it was on this very podcast that you first heard someone sum it all up with the saying, Meyer, Meyer, music on fire. You know, if you type that out, you could put a little flame emoji in there. It'd be a lot of fun if you did that. Anyway, remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't have to seek out a new episode each time one drops, as if you were trying to track down what happened to Anne Bonny after her release from prison. Make it easy on yourself and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button, all right? Chamber music from Spoleto Festival USA is made possible by Bank of America the ETV Endowment of South Carolina, and the John Covington and Robert Lukey Fund for the Performing Arts. 